Today, the conversation is all about self-portrait artistry on Behind the Shot. Hi, as always, and welcome to Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots, from conception to completion, all the stories and challenges that happen in between, with the idea of trying to better understand the choices that they make when they make their art. I do want to remind you that there is a blog post associated with this episode. You can find it at BehindTheShot.tv. As well, all the links to subscribe to this show, whether it be in your podcast app or Pandora or uh, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, all the links are at the website as well, BehindTheShot.tv, and you can find the links there for both the podcast itself and me. And that brings us to today's guest. I want to jump right in because today's guest is one of those people I have been chomping at the bit to get on behind the shot. Lizzie Gad, how are you? Hello, how are you? And I'm doing I'm great. I'm doing I quite well. To that first. <laughs> That's okay. That's Excellent. Right. It's, it's a, this is going to be a relaxed, casual conversation because I have been wanting to get you on the show for quite some time. I'm going to oh. be honest. I was not aware of your work before you were on Smug Mug Live with <laughs> Alistair. And uh, that, when I saw that episode, there's a link for that in the show notes, by the way. When I saw that episode, it was, Alistair, how do I reach her? Alistair, please, how do I? <laughs> it was one of those moments. So oh. first of all, you are Canadian based. Yep, so you're in Vancouver, correct. right? Yep, Vancouver, okay. BC. I, usually I kind of can describe the type of photographer somebody is. I'm hesitant to do that with you. And, and I'm, and I'm going to say it this way. We're not talking about selfies here, people. We're talking about <laughs> self-portraits at an elevated level. But I, I don't know that I want to call you a self-portrait artist because you also have the series with your dog. <laughs> that is true. Um, which is kind of the same type of shots, but with the dog. Yep. Random yeah. stranger hits Lizzie up on the street. Lizzie, hey, nice to meet you. What do you do for a living? And Lizzie Gad says what? Well, I never really know how to explain how what I do either. I sometimes just say that I take selfies, but that doesn't sound quite right. So I guess I try to combine landscapes with self-portraiture in a with kind of an ethereal twist. Um, yeah. I don't really know how to describe it beyond that. I usually just end up pulling out the photos to show people because they're there's not really okay. describing it. <laughs> and that makes sense to me because mm -hmm. I was trying to just I had to call my wife into the office here <laughs> to to show her your work because I was trying to describe to her what I saw in Smug Mug Live and what you photograph. And I, I kind of said the same thing. It's these amazing landscapes, but they're not landscapes like a Moose Peterson would take. They're, mm -hmm. like you said, they're ethereal. They're they're almost romantic novel landscapes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, they all have this, this kind of dreamy quality to them. I'm not talking in the post-processing. It's more the scene. Yeah. And then you put yourself in the scene. It's <laughs> ah, awesome. You, you people oh, will understand well, if you go you. the blog post. I'm glad you so, like them. Oh, your work is freaking amazing. So the way that I met you or the way mm -hmm. I found out about you is a better way to work. <laughs> you were on Smug Mug Live with Alistair Jolly, which is Smug Mug's YouTube channel where they interview photographers. And I yeah. was on episode number 34. The link for that one is in the show notes too. 
the episode right after me was Lizzie Gad. And I went and I watched it. And your work is something I would never shoot. <laughs> and yet speaks to me in an oh. amazing way. And then you were referred to me completely independent. People who didn't know I'd seen that show. Skip Cohen and Larry from Platypod have referred mm -hmm. a number of people to me lately. The, the last guest right before you, uh, Mitchell Wu, they recommended too. Yeah. Uh, recommended you to me. So my question to you is your work has been described as fairy tale-esque. Yes. And the quote that I saw was fairy tale-esque, dreamy, peaceful, and full of wanderlust. Yeah. Let's yeah, start that's... there. Okay. You go to a scene to shoot. Are you thinking that in your head? <laughs> well... I think I'm all, I feel like when I'm out there in nature, I'm kind of in this continual state of uh, almost like wanderlust and dreaminess, especially when I see the scenes that I see. And there's part of me that is like, oh, I'm going to look back on this and um, I'm going to feel nostalgic about this. And I want to try to capture this feeling while I'm here in the present moment and just try to capture that magic and share it with everyone else. And feel it. And when I'm capturing those photos, it's like being in that moment. It's very kind of a ther uh, therapeutic sort of feeling where I'm just there in that scene, in that magic and feeling it. And then it comes across on the camera. So most of the Which time. Which it does. <laughs> but I, yeah. I guess that that brings in the question though, as, you, as you're, I'm, I'm kind of getting into picture stuff sooner than I normally mm -hmm. do, but I'm really curious before we get into all the other bio stuff about Lizzie Gad is when you set up your camera and you start composing this, what is effectively a landscape shot. Mm -hmm. Are you composing it as a landscape shot and then you simply enter the scene or are you composing it as a landscape shot in your head with you already in it? I mean, when you're standing at the camera, cause you're obviously not mm -hmm. at the camera when you're taking the picture, right? When you're standing yeah. at the camera, are you already picturing you in it? Do you know what, am I making yeah. any sense? You, you do make sense. And it's interesting that you say that because I'd never really thought about it. It's almost like the two options in my mind are just meshed together. Like I, I see the landscape and it just comes naturally to me. Like when I'm taking the photo, it could just be a landscape shot. But somehow the way that I set up the camera, it always involves a way that gives me a perfect opportunity to also enter the photo. So yeah, I don't really know how to answer that. It just happens very naturally. <laughs> Do you ever just take the landscape? Because I got to say, yeah. you'd be just an amazing straight landscape <laughs> photographer. A few times I do. Um, and, and I often take landscape photos and uh, self-portraits at the same time, but like on the same scene, the same setup. And then I end up only sharing the the self-portrait ones because those ones connect with me more. But yeah, I guess all the shots I set up are ideal for both. <laughs> well, they 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 connect with other people too. So oh. when I started researching you and I saw your follower count mm -hmm. across social media platforms, I'm not talking a single social media platform, but across social media platforms, you have almost half a million followers. I mean, like 475,000 followers. Yeah, that's weird to think and about. <laughs> it, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I don't have anywhere near that and probably never will. 
but I can kind of imagine what it must be. It's, it, it's got to be like walking through Times Square and seeing yourself on a billboard. <laughs> There's got to yeah. be an out of body experience when you realize what you create it's is moving somebody. Strange. Do you ever... Yeah, I I find myself when I really think about it and like if I try to imagine that many people in a room or something or in a stadium, that just blows my mind that that many people are following my work. And it almost feels to me like there's two separate people. Like there's me who just spends all my time mostly alone with my dog and like I have my friends and whatnot, but I am not like a people person <laughs> and then social butterfly. Find, yeah. Yeah. And then when I think about the other me, that's uh, the online presence that has all this following and it, I don't know, it's just so weird to me to know that that person is actually also me, but it's hard the, for my brain to wrap around it. <laughs> this is a movie script. Now the other me and that person <laughs> is also me. your work connects with, and I, and I see why commercial mm -hmm. clients as well. So you've yeah. done work for Air New Zealand, Sony, mm -hmm. Daily Mail, Canadian mm -hmm. Geographic Magazine, Whistler Tourism, which is a place I've always wanted to go skiing is Whistler. Oh, it's beautiful there. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, Practical Photography Magazine. Mm -hmm. And this one was interesting to me because this one kind of connected you in my mind to a friend of mine who's a live music photographer out of London, Christy Goodwin. Christy is the house photographer for the Royal Albert Hall. She photographs mm -hmm. live music, but she is also an amazing portrait artist. And so she does a lot of promotional stuff for artists as well, mm -hmm. but she does tons of book covers. Ah. And you do book covers. Nora Roberts, yeah. John Grisham. Do you put on a different, I don't want to say hat, but in a way... <laughs> Do you put on a different mental hat if you know you're shooting for a book cover or do those book covers, you've already got a shot and you're just reutilizing mm -hmm. a shot or do you shoot specific yeah. for the covers? It's um, all of the book covers that I've shot so far have never been like shooting for book covers. It's just creating my own work. And then at some time later, often years later, a publishing company or an agency that I upload some of those photos to will select those photos uh, to license for book covers. So every photo that I've taken, I've had no like real intention of it being used on a book cover, but then it turns out it actually works out super well as a book cover. So pretty happy about that. Well, a nice, nice little <laughs> licensing thing to land yeah. on. Yeah, for sure. Would you, if somebody, if, if John Grisham or Nora Roberts came mm -hmm. to you and said, love your work, we've used mm -hmm. your shots before, we'd like to actually commission you to do a specific shot for a book entitled X. <laughs> do you think you'd approach it differently or based on the success of mm -hmm. past work, would you maybe just go shoot new work the same as you always huh. do? I, I, would you, that, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I, I think it would be a fun challenge to do that, to try to create a photo um, from like a set of directions or kind of what they want. Uh, I would try to recreate with my own, um, imagination. Um, but the thing that I like about all my book covers that I've had before is that they were all like, none of them were based off of what somebody else wanted. It was just all me being in my realm of magical nature and creating just what was coming from my heart. And then 
having people see those photos and be like, we want to use those. And that makes me the happiest when I can just create what's flowing natural through me. But I do like the, uh, the challenge of having somebody say like what they want and I, I think that's fun. Has that yeah. happened with the other clients like the Sonys and Air New Zealands or were those the same things where it was more licensing for something you already had or were there, it were there art directors mix. for Air New Zealand over your shoulder? Uh, they, that was pretty easy. Actually, they, they just flew me over and wanted me to take some photos. They were just like, do your own thing, take photos in our landscapes, wow. show off. And I loved that. Cause then I could just, I got to travel and create what I wanted to create and share that. Um, and then there's been a few clients, uh, that wanted me to shoot photos, but like showcasing some of their products or something. So I'd have to get creative and think of a way that I could incorporate, um, like say a book or something into a photo. And I was like, how would I do that? I'm usually just by myself in nature. And then I ended up creating a really fun photo on a magical sunrise, misty morning, just like holding the book and being lost in nature and looking like I was reading and it was nice. <laughs> so the, the, fir <laughs> the first thing I thought when I saw your work and I started mm -hmm. imagining how would this how would this work in a commercial environment, mm -hmm. right? Where it's not just a licensing environment, but it's art directors and this is our vision and was stuff like North Face or something like that, yeah. where you're out in the middle of nowhere and and you are, you know, you're wearing a Desanti mm -hmm. jacket or something. You know what I mean? That yeah. would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had a few of those opportunities with um, some jacket companies before, like Westcomb uh, and a few other kind of outerwear companies. Um, yeah. But the opportunities don't come very often. And so they should. I, <laughs> they just should. Yeah, your work, work with what I can your get. Work is, it, yeah. Well, yeah. Your work is so <laughs> stunning. I'm, I, I really want to know because, mm -hmm. again, and and for those that are watching or listening, go to the website BehindTheShot.tv, the blog post associated with this episode. I have a small gallery of Lizzie's work so you can kind mm -hmm. of see or just go to her website, which is popping up on screen, you know, periodically as we're talking as a lower third if you're watching the video. Or it's Elizabeth Gad with two Ds, G-A-D-D dot com if you just want to jump over there really quick if you're listening to the audio and you want to see it. But in looking at your work, your style is so unique on two levels. It's very unique portraiture, specifically mm -hmm. environmental portraiture. It's yeah. very unique landscapes. And when those are combined, you end up with these very unique pieces of art. Mm -hmm. how, how did a Lizzie Gad end up picking up a camera and finding... <laughs> this unique style what led you to this style of work well i started i think i was about 12 years old when i saw my first digital camera my dad had got this little point and shoot digital camera and i was always into art before then drawing and painting always nature animals landscapes and then as soon as i saw this camera i fell in love with how fast it was just to capture something beautiful that I liked in nature. And uh, I ended up getting my own camera shortly after. And so for the next few years, I was photographing everything in nature that I could find. And then I joined Flickr in 2007. Um, so how old was I then? Thir 
15, back in the 14. original heyday for Flickr. <laughs> yeah. That's when I, I joined Flickr in 2007 or 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy long ago now. Yeah. Um, but it almost feel, it feels like yesterday too. It's super weird. Uh, I think I was 14 then because I was um, in 2010, I was 16 and I was inspired by um, these uh, other friends that I were making on Flickr who were shooting self-portraits and I thought, you know, this that looks like a fun challenge. There was this project going around called the 365 Challenge of self-portraits yep. and my friends were taking a self-portrait every single day for a year and I got really inspired and at that point... I've been shooting for like four years and I knew already that I wanted to be a photographer. That's what I wanted to pursue. And, but I also knew that in order to grow as a photographer, I would have to branch out and try different things. And like, I had no set style. I just knew I love nature, animals, landscapes. Um, and then with this new idea to try something like the 365 project, um, I had a lot of fun with that and I still didn't like land on my style. Every single photo throughout that year was so different and imaginative and a lot of them looking back and just like, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was the year that I grew the most just because I was going out creating like a concept or coming out with something new for South Porter every single day, editing that photo every single day. And when you do that every day for a year, you grow so much in like learning how you photograph what you want to photograph how you edit and then it was actually in the very last week um, I kind of wanted to end with a bang by going out further to my favorite nature places and like really putting in effort um, going into the mountains to take self-portraits there for this last week and all of a sudden it was the day 365 actually Um, I was out in the mountains at sunrise it was minus 10 degrees that's Celsius. I don't know what that yeah, is. So you Fahrenheit, lost me at minus 10 degrees. I'm just going to say. <laughs> it, was, it was freezing, below freezing. And uh, there were these rocks. I was at this lake and there were rocks going out into the lake. So I walked out. I had on a white dress and I kind of slipped off the rocks into knee deep water. And the dress from my knees down kind of froze like solid cardboard around me. But I was so in that moment, like, it was cold after, but in the moment, I was just so enjoying that feeling of being the only person at this place and everything was just completely still. Um, there was snow on the mountains coming down to the lake and it was so peaceful and I was photographing myself out on those rocks. And then it just clicked in my mind that that's what I wanted to do. I thought I was going to be done with self-portraits by the end of the year, but in that moment, I knew that I wanted to start combining my first love of nature with this new way of like capturing this feeling that I get when I'm in nature, which is like peace and uh, a sense of calm. It's interesting to me that you have a, I kind of wish more people had a specific moment in time that was transformative of their mental approach. Mm -hmm that they could remember and and refer back to that the idea that you were there and all of this stuff happened with falling in the water and <laughs> the temperature that mm-hmm. that's an amazing process so many people would have had that happen to them and gone oh darn <laughs> but you had the wherewithal to keep going and find magic in it mm-hmm. again 
minus 10 wearing a white dress <laughs> falling in the water, I would argue you may need to talk to somebody. But with that in mind, the results speak for themselves, right? Oh. Um, so let's talk about this photograph that we're going to talk All about right. a little bit. And I just want to remind everybody, BehindTheShot.tv, if you're listening to the audio version, go find the blog post associated with this episode. The video is there too, embedded from YouTube. And you can see a small bit that I wrote about Lizzie. You can see a small gallery of her work and all the links to everything I could think of of Lizzie that I found are also <laughs> in the blog post. And if you are watching this on YouTube right now, please do, if you like it, give it a thumbs up. Please subscribe and make sure to hit the bell so that you're notified each and every time we release something new. There are some things that we do only on YouTube, and that way you'll get to know about that. So with that, let's talk about this particular shot, which is, ah, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> there is a name for this shot that you have, I believe. Do yes. you have a name that you called this shot? Because um, my wife named it yeah. for me. I do have a title, but I actually can't remember what that title is right now. <laughs> okay, I'm going to um, go with my wife's then. Because right. when when I looked at this picture the first time, I told you I brought my wife in to try and explain to her, and I showed mm -hmm. her this shot. And I looked at it, and, and I went, I, won't, I don't even know what I would call this shot. And she said, Reflections of Beauty. I do really like that. Yep. <laughs> and it just, it just works. This shot- It's beautiful. It leaves me, it leaves anybody who's viewing it transfixed with your work. So for those of you on mm -hmm. audio, let me take a moment and try and describe this image uh, verbally for those that are on audio. And one day I'm going to actually have the guest do this just to see how it works. But I'll, I'll, I'll do this one because <laughs> I don't want to surprise you. It's, a, it's water. The water goes all the way to the edge of the frame. Let's get that clear. Aside from the boulder that's in the middle of the water, if this was just a landscape without Lizzie in it, this is a picture of water. However, there is a boulder in the middle. The boulder is slightly below the center horizon, which makes sense because Lizzie is sitting on top of the boulder and which kind of puts her spanning the horizon line above and below uh, equidistant. So it's there's symmetry there to it. But the water isn't water. The water is nothing. I mean, you literally can't see almost any water. It's a reflection of beautiful orange and blue clouds. So it's almost, it's not even almost, a quick glance at this, other than the fact that Lizzie and the, the boulder are all, also reflecting. If that reflection wasn't there, you wouldn't know this was water. It looks like a boulder floating in the middle of the clouds. And I'm gonna get into this in a minute, but Lizzie is on the boulder in a very intentional pose. It's and maybe I'm wrong, but it's not like she went out there, sat, looked at the camera, and went, hey, guys, and took a selfie. This is not a selfie. She is in an intentional pose with emotion and meaning. Again, the reflection in the water below her. Um, so let's start with that pose, actually. Yeah, the pose works no. super well, but it's not a studio pose. no. No, in fact, the arms in the arms yeah. in particular, by the way, the one arm with the hand curled. What are you <laughs> thinking as you're posing this, knowing you're in your own mm -hmm. photo? Well, this is actually the first photo that I've really that I thought about the pose in all of my other photos. I'm like usually standing or running, dancing, whatever. Um, and this was the first one that 
felt like more really emotional. And I had this thought when I was going out there that I wanted to take this photo to kind of depict my feelings that I was going through at the time. And I was like, what kind of pose can I make that would get that feeling across in a photo? And then that's kind of the pose that I landed on when I set up the camera and I started, I went out to the rock and I was like, I kind of want to show like feelings, um, like going into myself and trying to uh, showcase like heartbreak and finding my own inner worth and yeah, just kind of like finding myself within myself. And that's the pose that came to me at that time. So, okay. That, that so <laughs> I, I should have mentioned on the arm. So mm-hmm. one of the arms, she's sitting with her left leg curled underneath her, her right leg is out knee up in the air, head down at that knee with her left arm coming across Blocking her face, the right arm is limp, palm up mm-hmm. on the rock. So there is that mixture here of contortion, uh, confusion almost, yeah. relaxation yeah. with that arm being just so limp, almost as though you're asleep. But yeah. then the other arm across the face in this kind of inner tension. Mm-hmm. And I think some surrender in there as well. Surrender. There's yeah. a good, good description, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> wow. Just okay. So you're a Sony shooter. Yeah. So this was shot with a Sony. Uh, the Sony A7R3. Yeah. And what lens would you have used? Uh, for this one, I would have used my, I believe it was my 24 to 70 millimeter 2.8 uh, Sony lens. Okay. Yeah. And in the EXIF data, it shows a four hundredth of a second. Mm-hmm. At f2.8, ISO 100, so at yeah. 2.8 and ISO 100, it wasn't super bright out, it doesn't no. seem. No, yeah, the sun was on its way down, uh, a storm was brewing in the sky, um, so everything was kind of dim, but with this magical light, and it was only half an hour after I took that, it just started downpouring and lightning and thunder oh. everywhere, and it was beautiful but i also thought i was going to get struck by lightning with my tripod and so i had to in the middle of the water quick. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is 37 mm. millimeters to kind of set the scene for how wide this is it's it's mm-hmm. a very comfortable eyesight type you know width of the scene there's yeah. a couple things in the exif data that confuse me though not confuse mm-hmm. me but make me curious all right. It showed manual mode makes sense yeah but i know a lot of people who would shoot this especially when they're walking out there, that would, you know, do an aperture priority or something. Do you always tend to shoot manual? Yeah. Well, I usually, uh, I start with autofocus when I'm trying to get the focus on the spot where I want to be. Uh, and once I get that focus on there, I'll switch it to manual. Um, I- expand on the focus a little bit because you're not in the scene, but you're focusing for you and you're shooting yeah. at f2.8. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so with a 24 to 70, so your camera's not that far away. And at 2.8, no. your depth of field isn't huge. Where did you fo- where did you pre-focus? Um, I pre-focused, I tried to focus on towards the center, but front edge of the rock. And it took me years to uh, nail this, um, uh, how do you word it, ability to focus quickly. <laughs> it's not um, easy. It, it's not easy. It's gotten easier. I'd say it's easy now, but it took me 10 years to get to this point. Uh, one right, yeah. 
tip that I can give that I do all the time is my my little fuzzy best friend, Pepper. I have him go to where I'm going to sit. Like I had him jump on the rock and sit there for me so that I could focus on him. And then I lock the focus to manual and I call him back and we just switch sides. Your dog is your assistant. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Dude, yeah. jump on the rock for me. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty great. But if if he's not around or if he's not willing to help me, which happens quite often, um, I'll focus. Uh, like I might put a rock or a stick there that I try to focus on. Or, oh, good idea. Um, okay. Yeah. Or with the camera as well, I can zoom in to the spot where I'm where I want to focus and I can make sure it's clear and sharp there. And then I lock it on manual. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so you're, so you're, you do run your autofocus on manual. Sorry. Like your autofocus is also on manual though. Yes. Yeah. So when you, when so, you recommit, you're not, you're not autofocusing again no. as you go to hit the shutter. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> it says white balance is set to manual in the EXIF data. Is that normal oh. for you or is the... Uh, yeah, I, I like to keep everything on manual. Um, yeah, white balance, uh, aperture, all of the um, the things. <laughs> it's funny when I when we talk about... Uh, I like to call it the, the nerdy, nerdy side of photography <laughs> because I'm so visually focused. Um, when I'm at the camera and people ask me like what settings I use, I've never in my head, it's been hard for me to be able to say like, oh, I shoot at this aperture, um, this shutter speed and all of that. That never goes through my head as I'm setting it up. I just, for me, it's like, oh, I just turned this dial this way and this one this way and it all appears magically as it should. And my brain just focuses purely visually on what's happening on my camera and can't figure out I like that. everything else. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, <laughs> you know, it's feel. It's like a great guitarist yeah. doing a solo doesn't sit back and think, which note? They tend to just close their eyes and yeah. go for it. So uh, it's interesting this, whenever... Oh, this is in a um, Powell River, which is uh, on the Sunshine Coast, a little bit northwest of Vancouver. Um, you have to drive okay. for a few hours, take a couple ferries up there. And so, yeah, beautiful area. Right next to yeah, the ocean. Gorgeous. So that water that I'm in is actually a, I guess, a lagoon of some sort. It's ocean water that came up and filled this big tidal pool. And then the tides start going back out. So um, it was just water trapped in these rocks. So there were no waves coming in. It was just all still and magical. <laughs> oh, the re which is evidenced by the reflection, actually. Yeah. yeah. You go out to take a shot like this. Mm -hmm. You set up, I'm assuming you're on a tripod, obviously. Yeah. Um, how many shots might you have to take? Like some of your, some mm -hmm. of your imagery, you're moving, like you're stepping from one shot to another yeah. and your feet are mid between, mm -hmm. which I love. You go out to take a shot like this. How many might you take? And, and these are just single shots, right? These are not yeah. necessarily composites. Yeah. I'd say for this shoot, I probably took about a hundred photos because okay. when I set up my camera, I find the easiest way for me uh, to get these kind of photos is to just uh, use an intervalometer and set it to take photos every maybe two or three seconds, or if it's like more action shots, like if I'm walk 
walking or jumping back and forth, I might set it to every one second or half a second. Uh, for this, I think it was every three seconds. And then once I press the shutter button to go, it'll just continually take those photos every three seconds while I go out there and I can strike a whole series of poses and hope that at least one out of like a hundred photos or something will turn out looking kind of how I want to. Um, and you, there's a lot of good like in between derpy shots, and, but usually one or two turn out super good, like what I envisioned. And so uh, once I feel like I probably got that photo, I'll go back and turn it off. And yeah. Do you review them right there? Do you chimp the screen or do you just go, I'm sure I've got it and you move on? <laughs> I usually always review them uh, just in case because a lot of the time I don't quite get what I want. It's close, but not quite. So then I'll redo it uh, one or two times more. But yeah. But and then sometimes out of 100 when I, shots, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, and then sometimes when I redo it once or twice more, then I go back and realize that my favorite was actually in the first shoot. So I might as well not have done the second ones. <laughs> But yeah, you, so when you're, when you're shooting a hundred shots, mm -hmm. you're telling me that you'd only be happy with one or two of them. Most likely. Yeah. Okay. I, li <laughs> I, mean, see, I like that. Yeah. A lot of them, sometimes I get a bunch that I do like, and then it's hard to choose from. And, uh, when I take them to the computer, I usually save like, say out of a hundred shots, I might save my top seven or something. And then I save, I'll choose one from the top seven or so, uh, that will be my main photo. But then a few years later, I might come back and look at those and be like, oh, I can do something with this other photo now from that shoot. So, yeah. I like it. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about your, your composition and prop type stuff because, so whenever I talk to a photographer, I don't know, <laughs> I always go kind of dive into their work deeply to, to kind of understand a little bit about commonalities in their work yeah all of your images and it's interesting sometimes they're like well yeah that's all intentional and other times mm -hmm. it's really i never noticed that <laughs> all of your images have very layered subject matter mm -hmm. sky reflections trees waters rocks there's layers upon layers of actual subject matter and it's not always an object per se Mm -hmm. It's a subject, but it's not always a physical object. Like here, the clouds are really just a reflection, but they're clearly a subject. So when you're standing at your camera before you turn the intervalometer on and you walk out into to magic <laughs> land, what is in your head as you are composing? What is it you are looking for in the frame or in the scene that lets you get that, I, I don't want to go standard landscape because in standard landscape, it's foreground, midground, background subject. Mm -hmm. You break that all over the place. Yet there's always <laughs> foreground, midground, background. Mm -hmm. So what is, what's in Lizzie's head as you're looking through the camera going, no, a little left, a little right, a little up. What are you thinking about? What are you going for? Well, I always like, um, I guess symmetry in a lot of my photos, uh, I like, I know a lot of people always talk about like following the rule of thirds and everything. Um, I tend to really like to center myself in my photographs. Um, and I really, I find for me to get that really dreamy element, uh, dreamy feeling in photos, um, shooting on the, uh, a really low 
a wide open aperture um, to bring the foreground and the background out of focus. Uh, and then me kind of in the centered and that just draws the attention to me and makes everything else seem quite dreamy. So I always like to kind of layer, layer, layer my photos that way. I can't talk English right now. <laughs> um, and it's say, optional. <laughs> uh, for this photo, it was interesting because for most of my photos, I can, I can kind of layer with like some foreground, say bushes or flowers or something on the ground and then me and then uh, mountains in the background kind of out of focus. And, but this one, it was just, everything around me was just the same. And I thought, oh, this would be magical if I just centered everything like on me on this rock in the center. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really know how to explain further, okay. <laughs> but, but here, well, yeah. Which now you understand the difficulty when you when somebody like me who isn't mm -hmm. photographing it tries to explain it to people. It's mm -hmm. it can be tough. Yeah. Because <laughs> there is there is an there I started to say intricacy, but that's not what mm -hmm. I meant. There there is a a level of of uh almost conscience consciousness. Mm -hmm. I can't speak English either. <laughs> There's a level Glad of I'm consciousness. Not the only one. Yeah, I'm here to support you in in your work that is just really fascinating. Part of it, I think, comes mm -hmm. from your your choice of attack angle. So mm -hmm. your camera angle is rarely eye level. Your camera angle is either low, like ground level, or mm -hmm. here the camera angle is up higher, pronouncedly higher. That yeah. could just be because you know it was it was a hill going down to the water. It could also be you're not going to get the mm -hmm. reflection of the clouds unless you're at the right angle of reflection, right? Yeah. You use you use space like this. If this were if mm -hmm. this were a print ad in a magazine, this is nothing but white space. Yeah. Right. This is it's an empty white page with a rock and a girl in the middle. It's analogous <laughs> to my favorite ad. I've mentioned this on the show mm -hmm. before. It was a Crown Royal bottle, Canadian whiskey. Ooh, uh, yes. A Crown Royal bottle at the bottom of a large mm -hmm. white eight and a half by 11 or whatever magazine size page. Mm -hmm. The page was entirely white, mm -hmm. very small at the bottom, a shattered bottle of whiskey, and just the text that said, grown men do cry. <laughs> and that's what I see in your work is this, this amazing use of white space. Are you, yeah. are you aware of your I camera guess... angle of attack and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I am actually. When I go out I mean I, during it though? I think so. It again, it comes really naturally, so I don't really think about it. I just do it. But I do realize that I I usually always shoot very low. Or if I'm shooting like a reflection in a lake or something, which I've done countless times now, I shoot a lot higher to get that reflection. But I realize that I guess um I like to keep my work uh, like very clean and simple to so that the the eye is like really drawn to what I want it to be drawn to like myself. But um, the landscape, like if the camera's at eye level and then it's capturing uh, more of everything around me, I find that can be quite distracting. Whereas if it's down low, then it's like the ground leads into the photograph. Um, it's like kind of blurry. Uh, the closer to the ground I am, the blurrier the bottom foreground will be, and that leads into where I to where I am, and then leads into the background behind me. 
So yeah, I noticed that I I definitely try to keep my photos simple in that way. And it depends a lot on the position of my camera. You you mentioned you don't like to follow the rule of thirds per se and you like to be centered, but I would argue mm-hmm. in many of your shots, like you you have one shot, which I, I don't have to pull up right now, but people can go look it up at, at elizabethgad.com where you have like a cliff coming down on the right side of the frame and, and a cliff coming down on the left and there's a tree coming out ah, yes. and, and you're kind of in the middle, but the, but the hills effectively create, you know, those rules yeah. of third. Yeah. So it kind there, of works. There's one thing I do. <laughs> it does, right? Yeah. It, it, it works and, on many compositional levels. Yeah. And that photo but, too, I took from the ground. My camera was literally, well, it was on one of those platypod things, which was on the ground, like an inch above the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the only way that I could get that blurry foreground and the grass and like hillsides going up around. If it was even a foot higher, it wouldn't have had that ground going around it that it just, frames it. It so, just works. But yeah. but there is a problem, though. Yeah. When you look <laughs> at shots like this, clearly the sun is behind you setting. You'd be in shadow. Yeah. Are you adding artificial light? If you do, mm-hmm. if you don't, do you ever... Mm-hmm. I have never added artificial light before. Uh, part of me would be curious Ever? to try that out someday. Nope. It's always it's always been natural light. And when I bring the photo like into Photoshop or Lightroom uh, to work with it, um, I might like kind of draw out some of the natural light that's already there more, but I'll never like add in uh You don't carry a flash with you? Nope. I've never used one before. How'd you <laughs> But the sun's behind you here. You'd be dark. This was all <laughs> I, done. You lightened yourself up in post? I did, yeah. And I actually have no idea where the sun was that day. It was a kind of weird day of like mixed, uh, like kind of hazy cloud that everything was just kind of bright around. And I was hoping that the clouds would build up and get moodier to kind of even out all the light. So when I took that photo, I was a bit worried how I was going to edit it because I thought it was going to be way too harsh and with the lighting. But... Then it, it makes me feel so much better okay. that you worried about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. Okay, so you're good at editing then because this is super clean. I'm oh. just going to say, super clean at editing. What software do you use? Are you a Lightroom user, Capture One, Photoshop, what? I am a Lightroom user. Uh, sometimes I'll bring a photo into Photoshop if I want to uh, clean it more, like take out some objects that, we're distracting, uh, but all the um, like lighting, working with um, the exposure, the shadows, the colors, I do all of that in Lightroom. Okay. Yep. And any apps that you use when you're going out to, you know, trace like in this particular shot right here, where's the sun going to be when, when's it setting? <laughs> I've never done that before. I've always thought it was cool when I was out with other photographers who like pulled out their apps and they're like, the sun's going to set right there. And I'm like, oh. That's good to know. I, I should download that someday. Like photo and I still, pills is the big one, yeah. Yeah, and I've still never downloaded any apps, but I should someday. It could be useful. <laughs> okay, you are amazing me here. You, oh. You just walk out and go, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I generally, I I can pretty easily say 95% of my photos I've never planned in advance. It's always just when I'm out there and then very spontaneously in the moment, I'm like, oh, I like how this looks right now. And I set up and take a photo. So wow. that's 
It's kind of how it works. I wish I could do that. I, I, I could try that and it would fail. What do you normally do to an image in post? So using mm-hmm. this image, image as an example, not necessarily yeah. specific to this image, but what's your general process? My general process, uh, well, after choosing the final photo that I'm going to use, um, yeah, I'll bring it into Lightroom. I'll play with the exposure first to try to get it where I want it. I usually bring up the shadows a bit and then... My favorite thing, uh, it could take me anywhere between half an hour to several hours, like four or six hours to until I'm perfectly happy with how a photo looks. Because uh, my favorite thing that I like to do is wow. play with the, um, the paintbrush tools. Uh, I like to, when I'm trying to bring out the color that I want to see, and because uh, I shoot everything in raw, so when I bring in the photo, everything looks right. quite flat. And I like to use the paintbrush tools to kind of paint more color back into the clouds or my skin or what I'm wearing. Um, and I find, I think that kind of goes back to before I was even shooting photography. I love painting and playing with colors, uh, painting on canvases. And so doing that in Lightroom kind of brings me back to that as well. And yeah, so painting and using the um Oh, what do you call that tool? Uh, I'm blanking so hard right now. <laughs> um, it's like the uh, tool you like bring a circle, brush? the adjustment brush, oh, but radial. then yeah, the radial filter. The yeah, radial I use tool. that a lot as well. Yeah. Um, so much you could do with that. <laughs> Love that tool. <laughs> Me too. I use I use a radial on almost every <laughs> image I process. Yep, same. I only just discovered it yeah, a year and a half ago. So on every image since I've taken a year and a half ago, I use it. <laughs> yeah, it's like for me with live music, mm-hmm. I usually have it processed outside the circle, not inside mm-hmm. the circle. So I draw a circle around an artist. Yeah. But then outside, instead of just vignetting, mm-hmm. which I don't tend to do strong vignetting per se, but yeah. I'll do dehaze or yeah. lower the highlights so that all the stage lights drop, the, the yeah. singer pops forward a little bit. You yeah. know, so here I draw a circle around you and the rock mm-hmm. and process the clouds that way. Um, these yeah. aren't selfies. I mean, these are these are such artistic portraits just happen to be the portrait <laughs> subject is the photographer. What tip would you because you are mm-hmm. clearly one of the best there is at doing this. Oh, what tip would you give somebody who wanted to try? Because everybody does self portraits. Yeah. And some people seriously, where they'll set the camera up and they'll go take, you know, this. <laughs> and they they do okay. Mm-hmm. What tip would you? One tip would you give people to elevate their self portraits? To elevate their self portraits, I would say. Well, for me, it was to like forget about the camera and just go out there and express through my body language what I was feeling while I was out there. If it was a joyful moment, I would just dance and um, kind of forget about the camera, hope it was capturing something. But whenever I would focus too much on the pose, knowing that it was being captured, that's when all the poses actually turned out like bad or <laughs> um, just didn't seem real to me. So I guess a tip for me that I would give is to just go out and be yourself and uh, just be natural and hope it turns out <laughs> and also take like a hundred photos and at least too. one photo out of a hundred photos will turn out semi-graceful. 
Exactly. <laughs> but the, that's where the intervalometer comes in because yeah. it lets you just go walk. Yeah. And and it's snapping pictures if you can forget about it. Mm -hmm. If if Lizzie Gad were to recommend a photographer, people should look up. Is there anybody out there right uh. now that you think, oh, not enough people know about person XYZ? Who is it? Uh, there's a quite a few, but the one I'll mention today is Laura Zalinga. And she's also an amazing self-portrait photographer. Yeah, she's from Germany and her self-portraits are amazing. The Her body language that she shows in self-portraits, it's on another level. And her work is partly what inspires my so work So she does self-portraits well. too. Interesting. She does, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Highly well, recommend. Again. And she's a beautiful human being. I, <laughs> oh, so you know her too. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We I will put a link. Together. I will look up her website. I'll put a link in the show notes as well so people can yeah. find that. They'll be in the show notes on YouTube oh, if you're oh. watching on YouTube. Uh, but Lizzie, thank you so much. There is a blog post associated with this episode, of course, at BehindTheShot.tv. If people want to find Elizabeth Gad, uh, what's your website? Website is ElizabethGad.com. Pretty simple. Okay, makes it easy. And it's G-A-D-D. G-A-D-D. <laughs> uh, Instagram is just Elizabeth Gad. Yep. Facebook, Elizabeth Gad Photography. Are you on yep. Twitter? You're not on Twitter, right? I well, I am on Twitter, but I, I've been on Twitter for maybe twelve years, and I think I've tweeted a total of eighteen times. So you could follow me, and okay. you might see something, or you might not. <laughs> okay, so it's tw Twitter is the surprise bucket. <laughs> it's the surprise uh, bucket. I believe that's also Elizabeth yeah. Gad. <laughs> okay, and then you have a Patreon account. I do, yeah. Which is Elizabeth Gad. Tell yeah. me about Patreon. What is what, what do people get when they sign up for Patreon with you? Uh, well, I started the Patreon account to start sharing more behind the scenes and some editing tutorials. So I've had a lot of people asking for that from me. And at the beginning of the year, I had just started setting up uh, more workshops and teaching one-on-one -on -one workshops. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. Um, so I quickly switched to making a Patreon account where I could share some of the things that people wanted to learn uh, in a more accessible way and super easy that they can sign up or subscribe for the fee of their choice, like could be a dollar a month or $5 a month. Uh, no matter what you choose, you'll still, everybody will see the same content. I haven't divided it into this person who pays more will see more. For me, I'm just like, no, I'd rather everybody just see the same thing. It's easier for me to just share it's to just everyone. It's just a level of what they want to support. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. And yeah, that's where I share things, tips and tricks and uh, articles that I've written and tutorials. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, first of all, let me just remind everybody, blog post associated with this, BehindTheShot.tv, blurb about Lizzie, all of Lizzie's links, including to the Smug Mug Live show that you really must see. Not only that, but while you're there, mm -hmm. subscribe to Alistair Smug Mug Live because really he's getting, he's had Matthew Jordan Smith and he's had just tons of amazing so photographers. So many so make great sure people. You, you do that. Yeah. Oh, so good. I don't know how he gets the people he does. It's, I don't except know either. With Flicker and Smug. Like that every, doesn't hurt. Every second day or so I see him talking with somebody else who I admire and I'm like, how, how did he get this person on? <laughs> I know. It's amazing. It's ama and not only that. He's an amazingly nice guy. He like is. Like, he and I click like that. He's one of my favorite people, hands down. Yeah, just a super <laughs> sweet guy. Yeah. So, Lizzie Gad, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Steve. It's been a pleasure.
It has, it has been my pleasure, no question about it. And everybody, I cannot suggest it enough. Make sure you head to the website, find the blog post associated with this episode, and give Lizzie a follow. All the links are there. You can see a small sample gallery of her work. Uh, you can go watch. The, I've got a link to that Smug Mug Live, her portfolio, her Patreon, some interviews that she's done otherwise. So head on over there again. It's BehindTheShot.tv. By the way, I do want to remind you, you can, while you're there, subscribe to the podcast in a myriad of different ways. Pandora and Stitcher. I'm on Amazon Music now. You can find me wherever you get your podcast apps. And when you are looking in your podcast catcher application, if your podcast application supports only audio, there is an audio version of the podcast. It makes it easier if you go at least look at the picture at the website. If your podcast application supports video, there is a video version of the podcast that you can go get there as well. And of course, the video is also up on YouTube, behind the shot on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, again, please click a thumbs up if you like the video and uh, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell. That way you are notified each and every time that we release something such as the critique shows I do with my buddy Don Komarechka, another Canadian. And uh, Don is a macro genius and he and I do critique shows once a month right now. And uh, we pull those images that we critique from the behind the shot Flickr group. So if you go over to Flickr, you can have a free account, paid account, doesn't matter. Join the Behind the Shot group, submit your images to the group, join the community, have some fun. If you want them in the pool we choose from for the critiques, make sure you add a Flickr tag, not a hashtag. Flickr has their own tagging system. The Flickr tag BTS critique. That way we don't critique somebody's shot that isn't explicitly looking for a critique and hurt somebody's feelings or anything like that. So once again, to today's guest, Lizzie Gad, thank you so very, very much for being here. This is Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers like Lizzie to better understand the choices that they make. I'm Steve Brazel, your host, and we will see you on the next show. 